Don't stop. Now let me stop, yeah? Keep dancing. But you better do it now. Because by next week, this is going to be a music town. And I don't think that they allow dancing in music town. Welcome to episode 16 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. I am Noah Frank. As always, I am joined by Will Vitka. And this week, we welcome scientist, wait, scientist, really? Uh, Tony Panzera, who brings us the 1995 coming-of-age movie Empire Records, starring Liv Tyler, Renee Zellweger, and Anthony LaPaglia. So fire up the rotating CD changer, affix your male gaze, and travel with us to a world in which $9,000 can alter the future of a business. Tony, let me be the first to wish you a happy Rex Manning Day and ask you, have you ever lost 18 grand betting the pass line in Atlantic City? Oh, well, happy Rex Manning Day to you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, And no, I actually, the most I've lost gambling was exactly $5. That, that's good. I've lost a lot more than that. Uh, I, as, uh, I don't think we've ever talked about this actually on the podcast, but as someone who used to play poker for a living for a stretch, uh, I, I've, I've had single hands in which I've lost, or at least, I don't know that I've lost, but where I, if I had won, I would have won several thousand dollars that have not turned out. So uh, wow. these, things, these things happen. Uh, if you play well, it all evens out at the end. Um, Anyway, uh, welcome. Uh, this is your movie. Uh, so tell us right off the top, why did you think you liked this movie? And uh, give us your, your personal background with it, your experience. Where where did you first see it? Uh, what, what were those memories like? Well, I remember the time around which I saw this movie. So um, it was the 90s. Um, I did not see this in the theater. And According to the most reliable source, Wikipedia and IMDb, uh, it came out in 95. Um, so, but I distinctly remember watch, watching it on VHS. So it was probably somewhere between 95 and 97. Uh, and it's important to note that I uh, met our buddy Will here in 97. So um, it, it's the 95, 97 span middle you school. You want to be my three o'clock buddy? Yeah. My three o'clock buddy. Uh, <laughs> so we, uh, so I, it came out when I was in middle school. Um, I, my parents, uh, I had a very sort of open household because my parents were split. So nobody was home watching me. Um, I started working when I was 13. Um, so I went to work, went to school, had my friends. Um, and uh, I was uh, out of the closet when I was 13 also. So my friend group were the people that accepted me and that happened to be the metalheads and the um, alt kids and all that stuff. So I, I had so much fun during this period of time. And that's why I like this movie so much because it reminds me of that period. Yeah, certainly a lot of resonance there. Hopefully you didn't get that job uh, by holding up whatever establishment you ended up working at. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so do you, I mean, do you remember, did you watch it with friends? Was it was it just like you were home alone one day? Like, did you have a memory of, of specifically like watching it? Well, I, I had started, um, I really got into movie. I was into movies when I was young. Um, that certainly escalated when I met Will. Um, but I was, I was really into movies back then. I remember my friends, uh, this was, um, for those who are younger, 
used to go to uh, rent videos. You had to go physically to a store to rent a video. And um, there's a place called Video Magic. And uh, I think we rented it from there. Um, but this was like, we, we would find the silliest covers of tapes and choose based on what we saw, that sort of thing. Um, for instance, anything from like Gregoraki or Trome, if you remember Trome, um, like Toxic Avenger, uh, Garbage Pail Kids, all that junk. So we, we would just watch bunches of random things. Um, and this was one of them. And I remember I watched it with my friends and it just, it clung, you know? I love uh, one of the one of the funny themes that runs through this show that uh, was this has been sort of an unexpected find is all of the different reasons why people ended up watching a movie the first time and it's so it's so funny I mean it reflects on us as like as children but like, in uh, in episode eight uh, Cage the Elephant we did uh, uh, Gone in sixty seconds with Justin Clue you know, he was saying you know. It was the PG thirteen movie that week. Like that's that's why I saw it. it was the one movie that my they wouldn't let me see Coyote Ugly, so I went to see that. Right? Like like the way the reasons that we end up spending like time with something that is still clawed in our memory. It, it like are they're so arbitrary and so funny and, and different and bizarre. Uh, I, I always sort of enjoy that origin story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my parents were working so much and they were never home. So they, they were always tired, perpetually asleep. So when they took us to the movie theater when I was, I don't know, 12. Oh, you want to see seven? Sure. And then the manager of the theater would be like, <laughs> and see seven. Then my dad would yell at him. And then we would go in. <laughs> I, I, I had like the exact opposite experience of that with clerks. When I went to, I went to, I went to a, a, like our little local movie store and like, our, our like rental spot that was a you know, five-star video in, in our neighborhood and the, the 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 clerk was like oh yeah you should get this and i was like 13 and with like my mom and my aunt you know and i was like Are you sure and he's like oh totally man it's great it's perfect hilarious movie. perfect perfect, <laughs> perfect to watch with uh two of your female relatives I, um, I i will say that there is there's a connecting thread here between especially uh me tony and alex of just finding the weirdest stuff i got i actually got in trouble because i lent tony a copy of um return of the living dead which features a scene of linnea quickly dancing buck naked on top of a gravestone so you know that's that's that was our uh, upbringing <laughs> well what well, we'll get more into this movie later but i i, I had remember i had misremembered that Liv tyler's striptease ended in nudity in my brain from having I, I saw this when i was like 13 like i i was 13 tops uh maybe younger than that i i remember seeing it at a friend's house i, I was i was a i was a, probably a, an adolescent preteen, and I, in my brain she like there was like nudity because i think it, it was just probably the, like the most undressed that i'd seen yeah i mean i thought there was actual nudity when i rewatched it today yeah, yeah it's yeah it's like i was very close yeah, but but there isn't, and it's, it's some interesting things around that which we can get into. But uh, Will, what was your uh, first exposure to this movie? I think I think I watched it with Tony. I actually think the first time I saw this was with Tony. Completely possible. It was not a movie that my parents particularly wanted to see. It uh, it had a good soundtrack. I remember the soundtrack. 
we oh my god the like soundtrack yes <laughs> yeah, we'll, but, we'll, we, will, we will spend a, more time than usual on the soundtrack uh, yeah for, but, for, but, for but the film itself i think i think I, we we watched it like in my parents basement well, before we get into all of the other stuff, uh, as we always do here, uh, we ask the guest to try to give us anywhere from a log line to a paragraph recap, just the plot. Just tell us what happens so that people at home uh, who haven't watched this movie, who might want to watch this movie, who watched it but have forgotten about it, uh, just give them the, the bare bones run through what happened in this movie. You know, don't don't get too far off track. We're just 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 the basics. We'll get into everything else later. A Tower Records knockoff is staffed with alternative kids that remind you of yourself, and they want to protect it to be an independent uh, record store. Um, and like most businesses, it may be sold off. Um, hilarity ensues. Uh, a big uh, charity drive um, occurs, and they get to save the empire. That's 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 the long and the short. That's actually, well, like yeah, that's a pretty good submission. Did you have any 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 gaps to fill in in the middle there? Uh, I mean, the hijinks are actually in between the gaps. So yeah. it's 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 uh, what is it? Tony Lapeglia. Yeah. The boss uh, runs into trouble because a character named Lucas, who seems to be having a good run of luck in Atlantic City, and where we see a, a Trump Plaza logo. Yep. Uh, he's he's right on exactly three counts and then does a fourth and blows the uh, the store's money. Well, right. So he, he takes the, this is the plot point that sort of drives everything. Lucas yeah, takes, takes the till from the store and tries to use it to, uh, you know, he, he, I guess he figures if he wins twice, if he quadruples the money, uh, that will be enough to save the store uh, he doubles the money and then loses it all, um, which sort of creates the the, yeah, the narrative. Literally, but, snake eyes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That the uh, that whole open to me felt kind of evocative of Ferris Bueller. Like they they sort of dropped him to be the the like voiceover of this is our life and this whole thing. Except that he just had like absolutely no charisma. I, I, I couldn't help but thinking through like as as the, throughout the whole thing, like how much better maybe everything would have been if you'd had like a really dynamic character, like a, a better actor, just a better, you know, if that, if that, that role was better, I think the whole thing would, would have been funnier. And, and I mean, like, he does actually, yeah. Look at the camera and be like, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of that also. No. So there, there's no scene that lasts longer than maybe 45 seconds. It's yeah. the quickest it matches, you know, a teenager's attention span. Well, and, and to that end, it also, the soundtrack then follows that. They, like, there's a new song every 30 seconds. Literally, literally they, they don't let anything play out. Like, they're, like they, they're even like the little dance stuff in the store. But in between that, there are a couple like super obvious beats where they like literally played Hey Joe. <laughs> Something with Joe, the manager, that, that were a, a little on the nose. But let's get right into the music. This movie is built around its music. Uh, what were things that, that stood out to you, to you about the soundtrack? I mean, fucking Hey Joe. <laughs> uh, oh my God. The Lemonheads, Gin Blossoms. Cranberries, um, the cranberries, cranberries guar. Um, oh it, God, we got to talk about guar. I, it was 
it it was like, do you remember um, in the 90s, they used to have uh, commercials for these 1-900, you, you call 1-800-1900 to buy these CDs of songs of the 70s or something. It was <laughs> almost like a 90s version of that, like a prelude to a commercial that would have come out around 2005, 2010, <laughs> about 90s music. It was kind of, it was like all the earworms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It, it was an interesting mix too. I mean, there it was obviously sort of like rock centric, but but there was there was a pretty wide range. Like it wasn't pegged to 1995 necessarily. There was there was a a good sort of mix of stuff. Um, Whitney, yeah, I would say it was less. It was less like musically. You can take this and as a negative or a positive, less like musically appreciative than like high fidelity. Like high fidelity, like I was going to say, I think took high itself fidelity. A, yeah, a little more seriously in terms of like, well, what are we going to actually like, like focus on and play here? You know, um, I think you bring up a good point. Um, the the snobbiest, the music snob of the film was also the stoner. Yeah, Ed, I would say Eddie was the music snob. He was like the most, <clears throat> like the most particular. Uh, yeah. You don't treat an album this way. You don't treat a record this way. You don't do this. You don't do that. You've got to listen to this. Um, he knew where everything was, right? Um, and like in terms of music. So I feel like the person you don't expect to be the music snob was the mu- most music snob. Um, however, they were all hating on Rex Manning. So maybe they all have better taste. <laughs> and which know. is which is funny too, because like it, it wasn't good, but like that wasn't like a i mean i was did they make that song up for the movie i assume yes, like yeah, they did considering that it was it was it served its purpose really well i thought i thought it that was actually a really effective thing to for like you know it's like trash but like it was it was kind of a good trash Like for being trying. Well, like- I think that's the thesis of this is like, what's the anti, what's the anti us? Because this is, and uh, my wife mentioned this, this is sort of like Breakfast Club, but done like super dark. Yeah, or just like offbeat. Because it's not like the movie, there are some dark things. There's like some real issues, which I'm glad that they like, that made it more real. Like, like oh, this person is struggling with suicide and this person struggling with a drug addiction and like the in, in you know that they sort of reveal as as the movie goes on and maybe could have devoted a little more attention to but at the same yeah, time i was gonna say that's the problem with the the, the the 30 second scenes like yeah you're going blah, 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 blah. right and an ensemble cast where you have to decide who who gets the most focus like who, like it, by the end you're like oh wait are the two kissing or they are protagonists i don't I didn't start that way. I'm not, I don't know where we're, this, these are our main characters now. Like it's, you know, it, it, the perspective jumps around a bit because of that. Um, but again, yeah, do you have anything else in the music? There's a lot there. So I didn't want to shortchange uh, music stuff. Um, I no, because I feel like I could do an entire thing about the music. I love, I just, Every every little thing, Guar. I had. I just remember friends going to see Guar and getting showered in fake blood and not bathing for a few days because they felt like it was so meaningful. It was like somebody autographed them. <laughs> uh, I I counted 
because uh, I, I still have the credits going on. I was like, oh, I should, I should just do this. I counted at least 46 songs in the credits, Jesus which I, I don't, I can't imagine that I've ever seen a I credit list say, with, with a deeper roster. It must have, it was years ago, but um, on a rewatch of this film, because I probably see this film once a year, I think maybe once every couple of years. Whoa, um, wait, did you break the rules? He broke the rules. Did I? He, he, he admitted it. He admitted no, the, la- the last time I saw it was on DVD. I don't own a DVD player anymore, and it's been about 10 years. So mm. look, oh, that's a, look at that backtrack. You're, you're, you're <laughs> certain in the rules, friend. Look at him just moonwalk his way back out of that one. <laughs> a, a quick reminder to everyone at home that the rules of the podcast are to bring a, a film that you think you liked that you haven't seen in at least 10 years. So we'll give you the benefit of the doubt since we're already, whatever, however, 20 minutes into this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and have invested the time to go rewatch it. <laughs> uh, well, um, but the Ed, Edwin Collins song "Never uh, Met a Girl Like You Before" is one of oh, is, yeah, is a like a one. gem that like I don't care anywhere else, um, and I just remember it being from that film. So it's also like really creepy. Mm-hmm. It has like this weird underlying. Yeah, it's great and creepy. Speaking of creepy, do we want to get into the creepy stuff in this movie? Because it's uh, there's there's a decent amount of it in a few different directions. Um, stuff that painted this as being uh, very much of the time in terms of what's uh, what you know what was considered socially acceptable in in a film. Um, I don't know who wants to kick this thing off. <laughs> what, what was what was maybe the the worst thing that that, that stuck out to you, Tony? Well, um, so I work with data. Um, so that's the kind of science I, I work with. And when uh, it was either, Lu- I think it was Lucas who made the comments, have you cr- basically cross-tabulated Rex Manning fans with the number of oh, fans? Yeah, the are- first gay joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I took as a read, but that was the 90s, I guess. Um, I would have written it differently, <laughs> but <Yeah. As> a <laughs> but happily married man. Yes, they they, 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 they hammered that a, co- a couple times too. Right? I mean, they they show the the fan, the one male fan in in the line of of Rex Manning fans is over the top, flamboyantly fanning himself and you know fainting in, in line. Um, which then they right they follow up with with what you mentioned. There, there were at least at least two sort of you know. Uh, your classic '90s. Uh, we'll take a quick punch. Uh, did you do you notice our our other uh, favorite punching bag group will uh, make its way into this? Uh, I, I I actually didn't. There was uh, a really offhand, and again, it's a, this is how it always is. It's always like an offhand reference um, where one of the characters says uh, that someone looks like the Chinese guy in Karate Kid. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah, it feels like every every comedy from the '90s has like a, a gay joke and, a, and an Asian joke. Just, yeah. just, just they just have to. It's like it's like a checklist that they go down. Damn. Uh, yeah, yeah. I totally miss that. But then towards the end of the, at the charity event, there's these like o- older women in hair rollers 
who are just showing up to be part of the kegger, which they, you know, they basically make jokes at the expense of two groups, but then they, they're inclusive on this older group. <laughs> like it's, well, there's a, there's a weird thing like at the, at the very end of the movie where everybody's dancing with each other and they're all accepting each other. And it, that like seems very uplifting. It seems very inclusive as opposed yeah. to some of the, maybe some of the dumb jokes they made earlier. I don't know. Like, I don't know what, again, the movie moves so fast. There's there's a scene change every 30 seconds that I don't know if there is an actual fucking plot line beyond save the store. And uh, well, I think I don't know the nature except for Lucas and Joe. I don't know the nature of how everybody. Well, it's it's it's, store, it's right? don't fuck Rex because Rex is a creepo, unless you're Gina, and then you do fuck Rex, and then you're slut shamed, but then thirty seconds later you're forgiven, and then everybody is the Brady Bunch. It's, well, I mean, it's it's a very strange kind of like like clearly they have some sort of more than just they work together friendship connection. Like it, there were things that kind of seemed undeveloped. Where like, yeah, after AJ confesses his love, and then like in like a the follow up scene, you give Liv Tyler's character is like like, well, you're my best friend, and you're like, wait, you guys were friends? I thought like <laughs> there's no establishment that you, I mean, that like, you know each so other I'll, at all. A lot of that is kind of fine because that was actually how Tony and I did grow up. Like we had this group that's uh, yeah, not, I just, not I, exactly. I just, I just like, mean like they don't have a they don't have a conversation at all. Those two oh, characters no, it's before not he professes his love, and then she's like, Well, we're we're best friends, and you're like, Wait, what? Like, did we did we cut eight minutes of movie out where you guys like leaned on each other and cried right. and talked about your problems and he actually knows about your secret drug addiction? Like, is there I don't know, like anything oh, to tie the AD, the AD, AD thing. Oh, like, diet pills. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the diet pills thing was like, what the fuck? Realize they were the size of tongues either like if it was just enormous horse like like like, like cartridges like, i don't know <laughs> but um, but at the same time that has actually happened to us so i can't really well and i think i think they were catering to people like us when we were kids um and Maybe so it's a fucking we, new york thing I don't but know. we you know we didn't we didn't question it right so we could stay superficial with this film because it just sort of seemed more fluid, like we could relate. But upon further inspection, it's sort of like, how did these, how did these people meet? Why are they all like gravitating towards the store? Um, you know, uh, I worry about Eddie. I hope he he. I have a story for him. I I, I answered a later question, but um, yeah. Yeah, let, we'll we'll get into the continuity error, errors and other plot holes and stuff. But like, let's. I, I want to get back to to the what paints this in, in the nineties because I the, there's a, a major major thing that we need to talk about, which is is uh, the way that uh, the movie sort of is shot in certain senses. And and there, there's one scene in particular that there was very creepy, which uh, there's there's sort of doing a montage scene around the store, and there's a, a stranger a, a young woman who's listening to music on her headphones and 
the oh, one the... character is just like trying to kiss her while she's not paying attention basically and they play it to- totally for laughs like he keeps almost getting there and then she like accidentally like hits him or, or something and, and like it's yeah, completely unexplained but very and then, and then, and then he comedy. licks her foot right yeah and she laughs it off and like um which goes kind of hand in hand with with the broader thing that i don't know how much this stuck out to you guys uh th- this time around but there is just a ton there are a ton of shots of the girls especially in the first half of the movie where like they're wearing a super short skirt and like the shot just starts at their ankles and like slowly pans up it doesn't even get to their face it gets to their waist and moves on to the next shot and there's in in the Liv Tyler like I'm prepping dinner to seduce Rex Manning scene the entire shot of her takes place between her breasts and her thighs you don't see her face it's a it's you see her bare midriff you see like there are there's you know uh Renee Zellweger in the little smock and everything like it's just extremely like horny dude uh camera angles uh that I just that was that stuck out to me more than anything else in terms of just like wow this is really aggressive and very very intentional clearly so I guess um based on this movie objectification of women and laptops were invented but boundaries weren't invented just yet right yeah that that that's that sweet spot in the, in the <laughs> windows 95 era or whatever. <laughs> literally windows 95 yeah because it's weird because like i neither myself nor reem noticed that Oh really? No, I, it was it was it was it was completely. Over I her head. did, and I thought I was like watching the face. I thought I mean, obviously we noticed the smock thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, I, there were just a lot a lot of frame jobs that were like yeah. that were really intentional to 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 where you were like, oh wow, you every time you show a dude, you show his face, and every time you show the girls, you show their bodies. Like like it was. Oh god, yeah, it, it, so it just went back and forth. Oh, so much. yeah, there was like a full body shot of Liv Tyler with her undergarments but then when renee zellweger was trying to reveal the underwear you only get the slightest hint of blue underwear and it's sort of like the the male gaze is prioritized over the the women's gaze or even the gay man's gaze so well something uh, that i would like to get into is the like again the anti-breakfast club thing like how do these people work like what is like work as a friend group you mean yeah like is joe just like the dad who is not the worst guy well that's that that's why i was saying like we we know that because lucas says it at deborah's fake funeral um how he came to be with joe but you don't know anything else I, I, I i gotta i gotta pause you for one second because i actually just remembered that they they misspelled debbie mazer's uh, name in the credits. It's D E B I. Not how her name is spelled. Anyway, continue. So, uh, so yeah, it's like I wanted to know more. Like what? Like um, we clearly know that um, uh, Deborah has a rough life, but we it it's only alluded to. It's never. And then so, she has some relationship with Burko, but also that actor apparently has there's so much behind he's literally just hair he's just hair yeah which yeah, I mean, again 
is is kind of actually again that's that was our friend group <laughs> growing up <laughs> so this is not inaccurate well and and they do an okay job but right again they don't fully flesh out the idea that joe is kind of this this not necessarily like father figure but like big brother figure who is who is taking care of all of them and 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 keeping them together and giving them a place where they can all feel like they fit in like you you get that they're all working to save this place, but you don't get the full amount of like why it's so important to them other than like one or two characters. Like you don't, you don't see the motivation for every character to, to want to like, when the kid comes back with the gun and is holding up the store, like they're, they seem relatively unconcerned about how, like how serious. Also, the how quickly he it's like, all right, fine. Hulk 45. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I, I did. I did appreciate it as sort of a, a an unintentionally over the top gag that like, he just like shows up again back at the end. Like, like he's already escaped police custody in like, in like the few hours since he last got arrested and he's back at the store, just like, like, oh, sure, sure. You know, it's a comedy, whatever. Like, right. all, and all, everybody else reacts to him afterward when the police come, whatever. It's like, uh, AJ makes him a, an employee, a staff badge, and he's like, keep it. <laughs> and everyone is like loving of him as if maybe that's how they all came here. They all like helped up the story. Well, They're again, like, oh, that's, been that's, there. The, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's arguably that's part of the reason that Tony and I are still friends. Like, everybody was fucking insane in the mid 90s. <laughs> Especially for the record, you didn't hold up any store. <laughs> I did not hold up any store, but I did bust my teeth, and you were there. But, but right, there are things that that happen like in this movie where you're just like, well, that like you wouldn't even put that in a movie today, like Joe whipping his ass like in in the in this office, but he like beats that guy's ass after like this like the slow sort of build of how angry he is. You right, just, and the guy still sides with Joe. Right. But just like just the fact that you have basically child abuse taking place, I mean, assume this guy is under eighteen. Uh, it's very strange. Not it's the very... first, ca- not the first casual child abuse played for relative laughs in on this podcast. By the way, um, uh, did anybody else feel like Anthony Pagley was doing his best, like Pacino in that scene too? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was pre- it. Was it was pretty good. I don't know anything else that that really that really pegs this as a as a mid '90s film. Any anything else? I mean, other than than like the fact that a record store is a viable business. <laughs> I was going to say other than the entirety of the film. No, I, I think that's I think that's what they leaned into to be '90s is the these tropes of characters, the music, the superficial plot. We're not going to get into the you know, the deep stories of each character, um, having multiple jobs, like working at a pizza joint, working at a record store. All right, well, we already sort of started getting into the plot holes and stuff, but let's let's tear the rest of this thing apart. Uh, um, I didn't realize $9,000 was enough to buy your own business, uh, even 20 some odd years ago. Uh, what's, uh, what else stood out to you as just, as just things that made absolutely no sense <laughs> when you really started to think about them? One person per booth. Where did that come from? I don't know what that is. I, I, I like. I've actually never seen the one person per booth thing. I guess if you have a lot of teenagers in the store, it's just better safe than sorry. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I didn't. I I was so into everything else that I I don't know the plot holes. I just know things that I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like these are clearly not not based in reality. Like the M and M's um, to vote for who gets to control the music, and then a big button and the siren. I mean, like it's not a Chuck E. Cheese; it's a record store. So, like, why is that happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, my my stuff is mostly like the just kind of like bummer i'm an adult and i notice these things now stuff where i'm like i'm like why are they about to get shut down they're doing gangbuster business the entire time like they're selling there's lines why would you sell out yeah mitchell is a poor businessman (laughs) but but like but like one one that 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 this isn't enough money to keep them going but contrasted with, with the idea that Oh, a hastily organized community fundraiser based on a 10 second television spot the night of is going to bring enough people out oh, yeah, and get they, the they, word they, out enough to save the store. Like, what, yeah. how do those the, things the geek who the suddenly shows up at the beginning and then at the end? It's yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And also, yeah. what? why does Joe quitting matter? Him threatening to quit? Like, why? How is that? What leverage? Right. Does that provide? Like, why does he care? He's selling, he's going to sell it to a a chain anyway. He doesn't, like, what does he care? If he's selling it to a chain, like, it it doesn't matter who's in charge. Like, oh, I'm going to go start my own record store? Good luck. (laughs) Like, theoretically, he owns, he already owns the the property, right? Because that's what we're, the, the, the the dick, the, the other guy owns the property, the, who he, he used to be a bidet store or whatever. Like, Day. Like he, it was a toilet. <laughs> he said bidet. I remember him saying bidet. Uh, but right, like he clearly he owns it. If he's going to sell to a franchise, like what is? I don't even I don't understand why how Joe has any decision making like power in any of this. Like yeah, he's just a matter. fucking manager. Like who oh, cares? Anyway, that 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 was the biggest thing uh, for me. The other, I guess, I'm you're bringing up another plot hole, which is everybody else was working. Another plot hole. But and Empire sure. Records. Joe was just in his office getting angry, uh, punching Lucas, and then drumming the drums. while Deborah was in a booth doing the taxes. Everybody was covering the front end. I mean, it must it must be nice to be that kind of boss. And, <laughs> and putting putting a bunch of fake like papers into into a bank envelope. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, can we talk about Debbie committing Mizzo? crime? Because <laughs> she's like all about it and then not and then she is dating joe at the end of the movie yeah another thinly drawn female character what <laughs> yeah uh oh there are also some fun little continuity errors that i that i noticed i i didn't i didn't even look through like like the imdb on this i just i just i just, you, I just, just say fun little yeah fun little continuity errors uh like one is just like we have our, our friend eating the pot brownies that apparently uh, affect him the moment they touch his lips. <laughs> the fastest know. working pot brownies in the history of mankind. Guar, Tony. Let's talk um, about Guar. Oh, man. Mark, man, you play a mean guitar, man. It's really a shame that you must die. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Now I'm going to link that to a continuity. Um, the final song is called Sugar High. And when Eddie gives Mark the brownies, he goes, I made them myself. So you know what that means? Lots of sugar. So it's this tiny little continuity 
they get what they have one. They have one. <laughs> oh, so actual continuity, not not yeah. failed continuity. I, I was gonna say there there is there is a a pure continuity error, which was just in terms of the shot itself. Uh, when they're all dancing um to one of the songs that they're dancing to after the after the initial rejection. And uh, AJ is dancing. Um, God, I keep forgetting characters' names. He's dancing with our depressed uh, girl, and they're getting—they're like making out, and like it's getting pretty aggressive. And she takes his shirt off, and then they come back, and his shirt is back on. Yes, like it, it, it just. Oh like, God, yes. <laughs> it was yes, like yes. wait, like it was it was it was uh, AJ AJ making out with Sinead O'Connor, and then Sinead uh, Rebellion was that was that the joke? <laughs> That, that was actually I, I was like okay that's all right that's not a bad joke i was fine and then um yeah she does she pulls his shirt off and then uh, or he pulls his shirt off and there yeah yeah there's a there's a cut and um yeah he throws his shirt back on for the next scene yeah um and i was so disappointed <laughs> also i'm glad you brought up tower records i meant to say that this this building actually looks a fair amount like the Berkeley Tower Records that I grew up going to, just off of, of uh, Telegraph in downtown Berkeley. It's it, it was a two-story building with a with a curbing staircase. Like I mean, it, it, you came in on the upper level instead of the lower. Like it, it looked a little different, but like immediately, I was like, oh wow, that kind of looks like Tower. Like like that was just the first my first impression of the store when I saw it. Yeah, it that was, was like, something that actually concerned me. Uh, not concerned, but like confuse me apparently this this was shot in delaware that's what i saw yeah what eh, why the most boring place in america I mean, <laughs> like I, I, it fits it's, right it's, i mean it's it's literally where my stepdad retired like why what 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 are the like i mean the only other movie that i know that is is affiliated with delaware is fight club <laughs> but that's supposed to be delaware too so like no yeah. really Oh yeah, it's, it's all that's why it's all the credit card buildings and everything. Like it's it's supposed to be like Wilmington, <laughs> which is great. I mean, like what what a perfect place to be so bored that like, you it's, would it's start like punching fine. each other for you know for fun. Yeah, it's just the worst. Let's talk about which which characters improved in your in your rewatch of this, and which one maybe maybe sank in your rewatch uh, from your original memory of the film. Um, I remember liking most characters when I first watched it, and then when I recently watched it, except uh, Rex Manning, of course. Nobody, nobody liked that dick. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will say, because so much time has passed. Uh, a couple of them I recognized from other things. Some of them had careers. Um, Rory Cochran, who played uh, Lucas, was also in Dazed and Confused. And he played the character that everybody used to call me when I was that age. And I had, I didn't know why, and it was because my hair was much longer than it is. Um, and then Robin Tunney, uh, she was in The Craft which was another 90s thing. So it's sort of like these like weird 90s, uh, I won't say Brad Pack, but it, it's like these, these characters had other 90s related films uh, or 
films that remind me of the era. But um, they both did crime TV shows later in their careers. So I don't know what that says, but uh, the ones that I just categorically do not like, uh, Coyote Shivers, uh, uh, Burko, um, Perpetually Asleep, um, I read up on him. <laughs> He's not a good person, I think. Um, can you can you expand on that? He was married to Liv Tyler's mom during the film, like out in real life. I'm sorry, I feel like, I feel like I have to get up. And all of his ex wives has have said that he has that uh, basically he's abusive. Um, Lovely. How many ex wives does he have? Three. Three. <laughs> Cool. Yep. When you start yep. to get, yep. when you use the yep. word all, three is pretty much the minimum. I just wanted to <laughs> establish. Um, also, uh, AJ, I always thought was cute, um, but I'm going to link this to what I heard because I listened to the prior episode of this podcast. He was in Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which links back to Nicolas Cage. And I think... <gasps> <laughs> I think there's like a Nicolas Cage thing going on. <laughs> Interesting. Will, uh, character reassessment? No, they all suck. <laughs> I, I, no, nobody, okay. nobody got better for you? No. Uh, Lucas, uh, I vaguely see as myself, who is the conniving creep, but not in a sexual way. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> I, I he I, I already told you. He, he, I thought he was. I wish he'd been better. I, w- I wish I wish he'd been more compelling. Like he just like I uh, I would be more compelling. Like like he just he should that that character should have been the one that he that sort even of, had the fucking yeah turtleneck like yeah the, but like the, safe yeah. cracker. I feel like Warren had uh, took all the energy. <laughs> yeah, he did. I, I, I liked Warren. I, he I, gave Lucas a run for his money. I feel like I, feel like I barely remember <laughs> Warren from the original thing, but like, like for like a kid, like he did a really good job for like. I mean, he was you know a teenager, a young teenager. Um, yeah, I mean, as a teenager, I was definitely not an AJ, but I was kind of a Lucas. Mm. Yeah, I don't thanks, imagine. Thanks for agreeing with me. Tony, you fuck. <laughs> Wait, is that a, is I that a bad your assessment? <laughs> I mean, at least you weren't any of the other male characters. <laughs> like, <laughs> those are all worse. <laughs> um, uh, I, I do have of note um, the guy that plays Warren, um, I. I remember that character so much <laughs> that three years ago, I was a judge um, for the Alexandria Film Festival. I am not entirely sure you should say this. Well, say it and then we'll cut it if we have to. <laughs> uh, he was uh, in an independent film and I saw him pop up on screen as an adult. And I'm staring at him very, I'm getting closer to the screen and I'm like, that's Warren. <laughs> oh like, no! A character that you never, or a person that you didn't think would, it was, you know, because same movie as Liv Tyler and Renee Zellweger, um, uh, uh, 
Jalapalia, Debbie Mazur, like all these, all these, you know, named celebrities, even Ethan Embry had a career. Um, Sweet home, Alabama. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get to one of my favorite questions. And this is a, maybe a little more sort of in the box than, than some other ones, just because of, of how things have played out with this particular industry that everyone's involved in. But what, what do we think has happened to each of these characters and in the world in the intervening time since this film? It's been 26 years since this film came out. Uh, Tony, what, uh, what, what do you think? You want to take a crack at this? I have many uh, stories for each of them. Would you like them? Yeah, go for it. No. (laughs) Well, Rex Manning went to rehab for a satin shirt addiction. He then ran a small salon in Hollywood, Florida. He holds a Rex Manning Day sale where he does the hair of the old biddies that actually enjoyed his music. Did you say Hollywood, Florida? Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) That's why I want to make sure I heard that right. I mean, you have to be accurate. Um, (laughs) Corey and AJ, they make it to Boston, but then AJ discovers Brian and Corey goes to rehab, but then graduates from Harvard's second in her class, which results in her dad writing her out of as well. She lives a quiet life in a bungalow selling her ceramic wares outside of Portland, Oregon. Uh, Oh, I was going to go Portland, Maine, but that's, that's a good change up. (laughs) To support her garden gnome addiction, but she's healthy. AJ and Brian adopted a houseplant and traveled the world selling their art. Uh, whilst I have Gina and Burko make it to the second season of American Idol, but the public prefers Gina, and she went on to do concerts while Burko is still sitting behind Empire trying to wake up. Uh, Joe and Jane made Jimmy and Jenny. They are part of a K-pop ba- a band group <laughs> making music. <laughs> Life is weird sometimes. Uh, Deborah gets her counseling masters. She continues to dunk people's head into water. Uh, she also patented a better ladies razor. She's in negotiations for leasing the design rights to Schick. <laughs> Mark continues to kiss random people's feet. Uh, Eddie expanded from brownies and is now the mogul of a, a dispensary empire. Uh, TNT wants to buy the rights to his story from pizza delivery to pot empire. And Warren accepted his love of Whitney Houston. And that's that's how it all ended. <laughs> what happens to Joe? Is Joe dead? I think Joe might be dead. Joe? No, Joe and Jane are together. Oh, Joe and Jane. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Jimmy yeah. and Jenny. Got the it. Jays. <laughs> um, uh, clearly, the store, uh, after being saved, lasts ten more years, tops before Amazon uh, makes it obsolete and <laughs> ends up being turned into I don't know, a Best Buy? No, not even. I don't. I don't even know what what even fits in in that retail space. Does that just become a vacant uh, uh, storefront in in the middle of Wilmington? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I I've, I wouldn't. It would be too much square footage for uh, 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 a store to actually be able to afford rent these days. Right, <laughs> like, right. A bank, maybe? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. A love sack store, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. 
uh, I, I blanked on the name. Oh God, what's what's that? What's the the horrible mid range furniture store? The one that's but that's IKEA? between no, it's between IKEA. You know which one I'm talking about. The one that's between IKEA and everything that's actually good. The, the <laughs> over, that overcharges for everything. Come on, somebody help me out. Throw me a bone. <laughs> Bob's? Uh, no, not Bob's. <laughs> In between, in between IKEA and shit tier, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I can't actually. No, not West Elm. Yes, West Her, Elm. That's Her yes. <laughs> Clearly, West Elm is what I was talking about. Oh, West Elm can go there. Yeah. Well, fuck you too, Noah. <laughs> it's like that. That is a West Elm. Clearly, <laughs> that's what that is. It has the sweeping staircase and everything. Like that is. I was thinking, I was thinking Kirkland for everything. It's, Oh, Kirkland's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'm not insane. Mm-mm. So it's so fucking weird because we, again, Tony and I like knew these people. Right. But like we were all roughly the same age. And like we all have experienced the world through these extremely particular demarcation lines, one of which being 9 11, which is this is so, so obviously a pre 9 11 movie. Like it just, they, like the entire concern of the movie is over $9,000. Like you can't, unless, unless you're being intentionally like letter Kenny, like, like so far over the top that like your, your trailer park boys, like, like unless, unless you're creating a world in which only the, the smallest little things actually matter. And, and that's sort of the whole conceit of everything. Like to, to base an entire movie around essentially $9,000 is an but, insane thing to do now. But like pre 9-11, I was like, anything goes. Sure, oh, this could be a story. But that's kind of what I mean is I could go into like 5,000 words about how fucked the generation from the 1980s is and write 5,000 words about that and just talk about how like yeah we're all nuts and we've been driven nuts by the boomers who were previously driven nuts by the Reagans and then like try to scale this back and try to not be super depressed about the position that we've been put in yeah well right I mean we all or, got, or we I can just say like as adults funny dumb <laughs> shit yeah but we grew up in in a childhood where like this stuff was was like normal and flew and like like all this sort of lighthearted and like low stakes stuff was just like and then we became adults and it all ended <laughs> like, they, like they just didn't <laughs> yeah, exist exactly. anymore and like our whole adult life is like on the other side of this like epoch like it's just the way that it that it shook out like just because of when we were born like it right like, yeah we're sitting on the atom bomb of what reagan and republicans did i don't know uh that's that's about all i got uh, any anybody else have anything else before we ask the all-important final question i am ready i haven't eaten dinner so i'm very uh deprived of tacos and oh, no. undernourished <laughs> listen um, I, I, I'm right there with you. So let's let's waste no more time. Uh, we must answer the all important question: the reason that this podcast exists. Tony, do you still like this movie? I think I yes, I do, but I like it differently than I did. Would you care to elaborate? I do find some of the parts of this film more stupid, <laughs> but other parts more redeeming. Um, but be- because of all the music um, and the like 
large posters in the store. It just reminded me of the Tower Records that we grew up around. Um, so it brings me back. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's sort of like if I ever wanted to feel the 90s again, I can just pop it in and, and just watch it and not think too hard. Well, I think it's a, it's a very good statement in its own way on the absolute absurdity <laughs> of the 90s. So it's not, a, it's, it's, it's not a great movie, but it is representative of uh, the time. Yeah, I appreciated the, well, sort of, I appreciated the anti uh, kind of big box store corporatist sentimentalities of it, uh, which certainly are timeless in, in that sense. Uh, we're looking and staring down just as much of that as, as we were then, if not, if not more. It's it's okay. You can't take it too seriously, like any comedy. But like it, it definitely wraps a little quick and doesn't really explain itself in certain ways. Um, and you know, it's it's probably fine if you have it on in the background or if you've uh, been down dabbling in various substances on whatever night you're, you're you know uh, just just take it's, it as, it's, as I it think comes. it's it's fine. It's hard to hate this movie. I yeah. think you would have a really hard time building a case to hate this movie. It tries to do all of the things and yeah. it, 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 it fails in some aspects of that, but it succeeds more often than it fails. You know, uh, it, it's hard to think of a movie from 1995 that actually tries to accu accurately portray a woman in distress who needs to shave her head mm -hmm. um, under duress because she doesn't think anybody likes her. Yeah. I think uh, I, I agree. And, 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 and we know people like that. Tony yeah. and I do. But I, I also think from where we're sitting now, um, I can't bring myself to watch like The Handmaid's Tale and like movies that are after a certain level of like violence like the sort of like torture porny movies of the that started after 2001 like i can't i i won't watch those just because of the you know we've all been through so much since then and so i really lately if you just need something the value of this film if you just need something to laugh and not think too hard and just remember a good like a, a good time like me and will in our our childhood i think that that's that's a that's a value in this film you know yeah, yeah it's it's a true 90 minute you know comedy that that that's that's what it's there for is no one no one's gonna get seriously hurt or die you know they're, you're not gonna have to yeah, like exactly. linger on any any like you, you, you were talking about the various like things that are out now like like that's the thing like i haven't even tried to watch mayor beast town yet because like i know it's I'm sure it's. Oh, good. I'm not going over. Everyone, everyone talks about how good it is, but like, it looks really fucking depressing, and like, I just don't really it want was. that right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'll get, I'll get there, and I don't mind depressing stuff. I've watched plenty of depressing stuff, but like, really have to kind of, you know, ration that right now and decide when, when that's, when that's something that I'm, that I'm gonna, you know, uh, expose myself to because it's just, you know, there's, eh, there's only so much emotional energy to to go around any given day anymore, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the value is in finding something that you enjoy 
and then just going for it. Um, obviously, there are a lot of problems, and uh, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I think it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Are you on social media? On Instagram at Tony Panzera. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Anthony Panzera. On that note, uh, thank you as always for listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and on Instagram at Like This Movie. Use the hashtag ITILTM. It's hashtag ITILTM to take part in the conversation, and we will see you next week. I Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Copyright 2021.